0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode. Finally got somebody I've been trying to get on here for a while and really looking forward to this. Welcome to the show, Randy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, Randall Sullivan and I actually went to high school semi together. Kind of. Pretty close. I I went to school with your wife, but I think you graduated the year before I moved here because you're 96, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I moved here in 96. When we first
1: met, there was this whole name mishap because there was somebody else that had a similar name to you that I knew, and you're like, hey, and then I was like, are you... Were you there when I got hit, hit, hooked through the ear when I was a kid? And you were like, no, that's not the one that I am. And I was like, okay, I still love you, though. You know, yeah. like, we, we've got the <laughs> common roots, even though that wasn't the story.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The colony is very, very small, so usually you're only off by a little. Only a little. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. And let's just kind of tell everybody a little bit about what you do and a little bit about your background. For those that don't actually know you a lot of people on here probably know you a little bit on my following
1: yeah i mean uh we we've got a lot of overlap of uh, friend group for sure so um i'm uh randall but i go by randy uh sullivan and i co-founded the local uh well it's technically a national but mostly uh local facebook-based whiskey group someone say whiskey and um i got into whiskey education, doing lives inside the local whiskey community, developed that into a podcast called Bourbon Real Talk. And uh, Bourbon Real Talk now, is it's largest on YouTube, but uh, as of today, we're almost uh, 44,000 or 45,000 subscribers. That's so awesome. Um, And uh, we've got a a large uh, community associated with that. Also on Facebook, Bourbon Real Talk community. Uh, but my uh, original uh, thing was I was a real estate agent. Um, so I've, I've practiced real estate uh, in North Texas since 2008. Started a funding company that does uh, funding for real estate transactions. Um, and and then also the, the podcast led to the opportunity to start a couple of whiskey brands, The Prideful Goat and Unallocated. And uh, all of that comes along with philanthropy. So I started the 501c3 uh, live stay project as a suicide prevention awareness uh, program. So, those are all of the things that I'm involved with.
0: So yeah, you, I don't, I don't even know how you possibly make time for all this. Just running a bourbon group alone, <laughs> let alone a podcast on top of being a realtor is mind blowing. And you're quite the family man, too. So, having time and making time for your family as well is. It's mind-blowing to me. I mean, you've given me a lot of great advice. I mean, you've helped me a tremendous amount when I had questions as I was getting into doing my podcast. I think it's absolutely amazing you have that many followers on YouTube. YouTube has been the hardest for me to get any traction on. I mean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, all getting great traction and moving on. Instagram, same thing. iHeartRadio, all those moving very rapidly, but man, getting to the first hundred followers on YouTube is a tremendous undertaking.
1: I, I like to joke that if you are a content creator, um, Facebook is like a crack whore that'll do anything for 20 bucks. Um, YouTube is like the it girl that everybody wants to, to date Yeah, and she's very selective and you have to put in work and prove yourself before you even get a chance, right? Yeah. And it, w- it was a year and a half of nothing. And then uh, it, was, it was December uh, 17th, uh, 2020. I remember it like yesterday, I pulled up my numbers and I had 700 views that day. And normally 150 would be, you know, yeah, a lot, unless I just released a special episode. And it was, you know, like a Tuesday or something, and um, then the next day it was like 2,500, and the next day it was like 4,000, and the next day it was like seven, and then it went up to 19,000, and that was when I broke through the algorithm and uh, never looked back. Uh, there are times where face or YouTube turns me off, and my yeah. views go back down. But you know, now we we probably average um, in a slow month. We average at least 5,000 a day, uh, which was unthinkable for the first yeah. year and a half, you know, and, uh, y- you know, good days will you know, we'll get up there in the, in the 15, 20,000 range. So that's
0: awesome. I, I, I think I happened to be going to one of your, uh, pours with friends. Yeah. Pick up with pours, uh, pick yeah. up with pours that Saturday after it happened. Cause I remember I got there a little early cause we had a mutual friend of ours, um, That we both were that you ended up having him show up and kind of surprised me it was cool because i hadn't seen him in a long time it's one of my it's my best friend's little brother it's one of your best friends right so that was really cool and i remember you telling me you're like you got to see this look at this like it just jumped like i'm i'm almost having a panic attack because it's (laughs) it's doing crazy things that it's never done before right that was a really cool moment like i I, I can relate a little bit now. I haven't had one happen like that yet to that degree,
1: but like that's that's really awesome. You just gotta stay the course. Yeah, I I did somebody else's podcast the other day, and they're they're in the same space as me. They're focused on YouTube, and uh, they they, they we, it was before he started recording, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm just a little bit starstruck." And I said, "Bro, um, I'm you just four years ahead. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not special. I don't have any special skills." Uh, there's there's nothing about this that's, you know, it's just you stay the course and eventually it works out. so Yeah, but there's a lot of
0: up and downs with it. I mean, I know personally just from conversations you and I've had, like, people really will beat you up, attack you, everything else on there. And I, hopefully, and, you know, do you think that someone say whiskey and all that you went through of setting that group up, like, helped prepare you more for that? Or is no, it still it- just a learning process
1: because both got different types of things happening in those platforms. It made it harder, I would say. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't think about this, but if you're a content creator, um, you, you can't promote yourself without presenting yourself as a source of novel information, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the basic purpose of a co- podcast, Yeah. right? You have to, you have to communicate a vision, and the people that hear the vision, you wanna to communicate to them, if you are interested in this type of novel idea, I am your source. Uh, but when you start to do those types of things and there are people that have been in and around your life before you started doing the podcast, there, there will be large quantities, nearly 100% of those people will go, well, who do you think you are? And why should I listen to you? I mean, we've been hanging out and going to lunch and all that stuff, so why all of a sudden are you the authority that I'm supposed to go to on this subject? And, you know, I think that if your heart is right, you didn't set out to make it that way, right? You you just had a passion and you wanted to share information or whatever. Um, But because of my involvement with Someone Say Whiskey, it actually put a lot of extra pressure on me because there were all of those people from the whiskey enthusiast world that were having those negative feelings towards me because they felt like I was trying to communicate to them that I was somehow superior, that I knew more. And that leaked over into Someone Say Whiskey and people started putting pressure on the rest of the leadership team to get rid of me because all of a sudden I was toxic. All of a sudden I was a problem. And there were people who no longer wanted to be actively involved in Someone Say Whiskey because I was still there and I was involved. Yeah. And luckily, you know, Rodney Smith, you know, we co-founded Someone to See Whiskey together. He never turned his back on me. Yeah. And he, you know, he just tell people like, if you can't be involved while, while Randy's here, then maybe this isn't the place for you. Yeah. And, um, but he also gave me very honest and painful to hear feedback. Um, and I had to make a lot of changes in my life. A lot of changes, uh, especially in interacting in group settings. I had to be very cautious about what I said and how I said it. Um, you know, I had to change some very fundamental things about my nature and struggled hard, developed an anxiety disorder. You know, now I worry so much about how I'm making other people feel whenever I'm in public setting that I can actually have a panic attack and have to leave. Yeah, And I didn't have that before I started the podcast. Uh, but, you know, people see me on video and I'm like, hey, look at me, you know, and I'm doing all this stuff. And then if I go, oh, well, I actually have social anxiety, They're, they don't believe me. They, yeah. they, think, they think that I'm saying that to try and... It's hard to
0: fathom because, I mean, like right now we've got a camera on X amount of people are watching this, could be watching this, or are going to see this now, later, in the future, whatever. But you don't, when you're here in the moment and doing this it's like irrelevant because it's like there's nobody else in this room other than you, me and biz. Right. So it kind of takes that away a little bit, I think, but I, I can totally understand what you're saying too. Cause then when you get in a crowd, I've started to experience this w- within my, my day job that I go to a trade show or some kind of socializing event and people are coming up to me and like, tell me more about the podcast. Like, all oh, right, I saw this, like explain this to me. And how do you know this person? How do you do this? Right. And it, it starts to become a lot you know like, right and you get that so I can I can see where a lot
1: of that will transition and especially the bigger it gets and the more it grows and you don't want to let anybody down you know No. and you 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 want to encourage the people that are supporting you um but but sometimes people have kind of a spirit of of entitlement you know so for you you have a lot of celebrities on and people see you hanging out with the celebrities and then they'll go hey I want you to make sure that I get to hang out with these people. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and now you've got this whole other thing where you're glad that they support you and that they're paying attention and all that stuff, but you understand, like, your access can get cut off if you don't handle these situations right, right? Exactly. And so it's, it's, it just it, it puts so much pressure on you. Um, and, and for me, you know, you, you have to find your space and um, who you want to be and how you want to do it. And I tried everything. You know, my original intent wasn't to be a whiskey education podcast. That wasn't my original intent. My original intent was years ago, I saw a... um, It was a... What's that that, that dark beer from Ireland that everyone drinks? Guinness? Guinness. Yeah, it was Guinness. I saw... uh, Guinness did this thing where they would get two people... I know the commercial so, you're talking about. Yeah. It it, like, I don't know if like it was a commercial. commercial it, was like a, it was like a YouTube series or something. Yeah. And they would get two people from totally different walks of life that would normally Clash. hate each other. Yeah, or hate. And they'd get them together and they would give them Guinness and, and give them kind of topics to talk about and slowly would reveal to each other, like, the thing that I hold most dear, you hate, right? Yeah. And the most interesting thing about it was that over drinks, they had already gotten to know like oh this person's got a family and all they want is for their kids to be happy and healthy and all yeah. that stuff and it took away a lot of the vitriol that we see in the in the discourse today right yeah and 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 me i'm so naive i thought like i'm gonna i want to do that every week right like yeah. i'm gonna have people on you know and and uh the the friend that you mentioned which is it's philip uh philip uh robertson yep um he he uh is quite a bit younger than me but he i i knew him from growing up i knew his brother he worked for me for a little bit and we were workout partners and um and we were it was actually colin kaepernick when colin kaepernick started kneeling you know yeah and and like you know philip if if you're listening to this i am a 45 year old uh like white male protestant right like i'm i i don't get it Right? Yep. <laughs> so so I, I would, I'd go to Philip, who we worked out every day. And when we were doing, you know, our cardio, I'd be like, hey, can you explain this stuff to me? Like yeah. I'd, I'm trying to understand. Break it down for me. And, and so having those conversations, I thought what if we could facilitate this like on a mass level? I think it could be very entertaining, but it could also be very beneficial for people to get to know each other. And that was my original intent um but but what i discovered very quickly was that if i had somebody to come on and talk about you know black lives matter and their struggle with law enforcement um everybody who struggled with law enforcement wants to watch it but people who are back the blue supporters don't want to watch it yeah right and and so i wasn't reaching the audience that i want and uh I, I did try the celebrity route for a little bit, and I didn't have the connections that you have. And so I wasn't able to get the right people on and all that stuff. Um, it, but eventually I realized that whiskey itself draws people together. And that if I can get people connected to whiskey, the whiskey will do the rest of the job and get people connected together. And yeah. so now I have this massive network of whiskey enthusiasts that know me because of the podcast and we have done an awful lot to to foster that connected like nature around whiskey to the point that you know we we are for sure stopping suicides we are for sure bringing people together we're pulling people off the brink you know that all of those things are happening and when when you say like oh i have a whiskey podcast and i do suicide prevention people are like what <laughs> that, that yeah. doesn't make any sense right like people who are struggling with mental health should not drink whiskey at all because it's right it's, it's definitely makes things worse and i'm like well yeah but you know uh fish like worms so i put them on hooks you know you bring them in and you might hit them with another message you know what i'm saying yeah and it might be the thing that they need to hear and so you know my podcast is very much about you know mental health connectedness um, teaching people that you can you can find somebody who has an um, ideological difference that you think you can't get over. And if you talk about the right things for long enough, you'll learn to love each other, and then those other things don't mean as much.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of what you were saying, though, I mean, you talked about that I have a lot of celebrities on here, and, yeah, I do. I, I have had several celebrities on here, p- former pro athletes, stuff like that. Um, I think the best, some of the best advice you and one or two other people gave me was you're going to go into this thinking, this is what you want to do to some degree. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have that kind of narrowed down at the time, but as it grows and as you grow at doing podcasts, that's going to evolve and change. And what you start out doing in year one might not be what you're doing by, you know, year two or three or even sooner possibly right so i've always kept that in the back of my mind and i tried to it started for me with just being in the lounge and being around different people and kind of the same thing it's you know i didn't know a lot about cigars but i liked cigars and when i came in here i knew a lot about whiskey you know i was two three years into my bourbon journey hardcore and I found out that I could trade bourbon knowledge for cigar knowledge, right. and it, it made an easy little transition there. And when I started doing that, you know, I had obviously, I mean, at the time I had listened to probably every single one of your podcasts, you know, like I was just, I, I get ate up with podcasts. I drive a lot and I would listen to stuff and just consume it and learn. And- I'm sorry about that. Some of those were not good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, like I've heard it from the beginning, I mean, I've, I I harassed Rodney about that before he came on the show. I was like, man, when I went back and did my research, like it was really funny to watch that first time you and Randy sat down, knowing the two of you as well as I know you now, even as well as you guys knew each other, then the comfort level and the flow and the vibe and everything. I was like, man, you guys need to go back and redo that at some point, because I bet it would be a completely different show. And come, come across completely differently. Sure. So, you know, just watching those things and watching those things evolve, I think is cool. But I did the same thing. It's like when I got at ICC and the family environment that they create here and industrial has this real openness. And, you know, it's a lot like someone say whiskey. You know, if you go to other cigar lounges, it's probably not going to be the same. I mean, I haven't found many that have the same culture. But like the Very culture... Clickety. Yeah, and the culture of Someone Say Whiskey, you know, from the get go was, you know, amongst all the different bourbon groups and there's tons of them. Um, And I used to get jokingly called Switzerland because I was in all of them and I didn't get involved in any of the drama or politics that you and I both know come along with all that crap. So seeing that and watching that and then seeing what they created here, it was very similar to Someone Say Whiskey, which I think one of the reasons too, you guys very early on, partnered up with the Franks and did a lot of things with the Franks. Sure. You know, in an industrial cigar. Um, But when you watch that as a whole and saw it all come together, I was sharing bourbon knowledge. They're sharing cigar knowledge with me. And then as soon as you sit down and you're sitting down with people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds and whatnot. And the minute you guys sit down and start having a drink together and have a cigar, you... All the other bullshit in the world doesn't really matter. Right. And, you know, you start having genuine conversation, building genuine relationships, friendships, and such. And it got to the point where I'm like, I'm hearing all these amazing stories, and I'm learning stuff, and I'm building relationships. And I'm like, wow, how many other people would benefit from being a part of this conversation? For sure. And that's where I started the podcast. and was like, we got to do this, but, you know. Not all of us drink. Not all of us smoke cigars. You know, like you're not smoking a cigar today. Had Ken Hamlin on a while back, and he, he doesn't didn't drink. drink. So we drank coffee. That sucked for me drinking coffee till eight o'clock at night because I was lit like a Christmas tree all damn night. And I came home. My wife's like, "Would you, would you just drink next time? Because when you <laughs> drink and you come home, you're done. <laughs> you came home tonight, and you're like." Burr, burr, burr. Twitching out, and you're just like, why? Like, yeah, I don't normally drink coffee that late. Like, it's a little much for me. I, I, am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, we're,
1: we're full blown. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. All right, good. Yeah. So when I had Ken on, uh, on my podcast, I was an asshole and drank while he did not. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but, but it was, it was funny. I, I went down to Houston. Um, there's a cigar lounge that, uh, it's kind of, I think it's kind of his home. That's uh-huh. where he hangs out, and uh, that's where I tried to interview him. Um, I didn't have my producer with me, and there were mirrors everywhere. Uh, I did not know what to do with my lights. It was, it was a, it was not a good situation. So if anybody goes up and and, and looks up the Ken Hanlon interview on Bourbon Real Talk, I'm I apologize for the video, but I did the best I could. But what I, what I realized while I was there is that there's a lot of crossover in the connective nature of nicotine and ethanol, right? Yeah. They're both intoxicants, and you know this is a weird thing to say, but there are anthropologists that have researched the use of intoxicants in human culture. It goes back somewhere between 9,000 and 12,000 years. And it's important. It's important. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I read this book, it was called uh, drunk. um, And how we, you know, dance, drank, and something ourselves into civilization. Uh, Very fascinating book, very interesting researcher. And what he explains is that, you know, if if you are just a scientist, you know, don't mean to offend any religious people. um, But if you're just a scientist, and you're looking at evolutionary development, right? If we did a survivor show and one of the contestants was a chimpanzee, who would win? The chimp, hands down, no yeah. question. But if you took 250 chimps and you put them on a 747 and tried to fly them across the country, do you know what you would find inside the plane when they landed? A bunch of blood and gore. Yeah. Because they don't know how to socialize and interact with strangers, even from their own species. And these intoxicants have historically been one of the binding forces that allows us, even though we have a suspicious nature, even though there are parts of our brain that its entire purpose is to prevent us from getting ourselves into risky situations with other members of even our own society, and these intoxicants bring us together. And so historically, there's not a lot of examples of treaties and you know, major business deals and things like that where there weren't you know, alcohol and other intoxicants involved because we need those things to relax our prefrontal cortex, which causes us to be suspicious of these types of relationships. Yeah and opens ourselves up to these connections. And so I think that there's a scientific reason behind why the, you know, cigar community and the, and the whiskey community have a lot of things in common. And the reality is, is that the reason why humans are so successful evolutionarily is because we are able to work together. And part of the reason why we're able to work together is because we share this thing that relaxes us so that we can calm down and get to know each other yeah. and, and learn that we do have common interests and we are working towards a common goal. Set down some barriers. Right. Yeah. And so I I, I think cigars are very interesting in that nature. I think that, you know, whiskey, alcohol in general is very interesting in that nature. and. It, it, there's something to be said for somebody who wants to help others connect. You can do it. You can do it through cigars. You can do it through whiskey, right? Yeah. You bring them in. You create the opportunity. You create the environment, and this stuff takes care of the rest.
0: What What drives your passion to do all these things? Because you are involved in so much. Like, what What really drives you
1: to take on? so many things. My brother's suicide. Fair. So, I, uh, I had a younger brother, Sean Sullivan. Um, he, he, uh, he worked in sales. Army guy, right? Um, yeah. He worked in sales. And after 9-11, I remember, like, yesterday, I was at work. And he, um, he was working at uh weight loss center jenny something Ginny craig. craig he worked at Ginny craig and um before this happened, he, he had we were hanging out and he was like man my job's kind of sad i was like what do you mean he's like well they have these scripts and they teach us how to you know take these people you know and most of them like they just went to their doctor and their doctor said you're you're not gonna see your daughter's marriage because you're going to die soon if you don't lose weight like that's their motivation like they they are in a broken place yeah and and my company teaches me how to use these scripts to emotionally manipulate them so they'll sign up for this program and if they follow it it'll work but a lot of them don't have the willpower you know there's not in the right place. place and all that He's like i just feel weird but his jenny craig office that he worked at was uh right next to a recruiting office and uh 9-11 happened and brother's patriotism kicked in started talking to the recruiter and i remember he called me and he said i'm i'm gonna join the army and you know this is you know post you know 9-11 so i was like You understand that if you do this, and I'm not telling you shouldn't, but you understand you will go to war, you will see active combat, and you are going to kill other human beings. That's going to be your job. And if you feel okay with that, I'm like, I'll support you no matter what you choose, but you need to understand what you're signing up for. And um, he ended up joining the army. He was uh, Airborne Infantry, and uh, I think he was 82nd Airborne. And uh, ironically, he never was actively deployed. He got sent to a training facility in Fort Polk, um, Louisiana, where uh, he actually played the role of a terrorist, and they would bring in all of these troops that were about to be deployed, and it was my brother's job to kill them. And he'd hide in the woods and try not to get caught, and they had to learn how to catch the terrorists and all that. And I I think it messed him up, but um, when he got out, um, he had some injuries. You know, typical story, uh, VA docs, here, opioids, opioids. Yeah. Yeah. He was addicted. Um, He got out. He immediately went to rehab. It didn't take. He stayed on the opioids, uh, developed, you know, alcohol abuse disorder, trying to make the opioids you know, stretch, couldn't keep a job, didn't come out with skills like, you know, how to work on a truck or a plane or yeah. anything like that. Um, couldn't keep a sales job. Uh, everything was straight commission and he was so whacked out all the time and never really worked out. And in 2014, he, he, uh, he shot himself and I, uh, I, you know, I was, pretty deep into my real estate career. At that point, I've been full time in real estate since late 2010. And, um, you know, I was I, I wanted to, I wanted to find a way to help people who maybe were feeling the way that my brother did. And, yeah. um, and I realized, you know, after his suicide at his memorial, All of his friends came up to me one at a time at his memorial they didn't want to hear they want to they didn't want anyone else to hear him talking and they would pull me aside and they would all tell me the story about the last time that they spent time with him yeah and um the stories all had a similar you know vibe which was they invited him to a group setting he behaved badly and they asked him to stop making it weird for everyone he couldn't and then they stopped hanging out with him yeah right and um and then they would apologize for killing him and I'm like you did not do this <laughs> and wow and you're not the only one who has told me this story tonight right yeah. like you need to understand this is a choice that he made this isn't your responsibility But what that made me realize was that my brother probably felt very disconnected from the world around him at the point that he made that decision because he had driven everybody out of his life yeah but what would happen if we created some sort of a process to take people who are feeling that way and we plug them into a connected community of so many people that they couldn't feel alone yeah right and so that's kind of been my my motivation uh Uh, That having been said, like, I could have done all that without starting the Prideful Goat. I'm also an entrepreneur, and I don't like to work for free. And I want to make money, and I want to have a nice life for me and my family. And so when opportunities present themselves, I pursue it. I don't don't turn my back on those things, um, because I'm not an idiot. And if you expect me to do that, or you want me to somehow admit that my passion for my brother's suicide is fake because i'm also making money off of the prideful goat then maybe i'm not for you right yeah but you know i only have so many hours in the day and i spend them all on this and yeah. i have multiple reasons why i do it you know but the the impetus you know keep in mind i made no money off of the podcast for years and it's the tough podcast, and you the refuse. podcast is just now not losing money
0: yeah i mean you refuse to take on sponsors and stuff like that. i didn't have any
1: sponsors i didn't i didn't have a patreon i didn't have any of those things yeah because i didn't feel like i had given enough to ask for that yeah i didn't i hadn't earned it right yeah but you know i've my efforts have raised well over $100,000 for nonprofits that serve veterans, you know, children with cancer, things like that, right? Yeah. I'm at a place now where like, if somebody wants to come along and go like, you're a fraud, I go, cool, I'm not for you, go on, Yeah. right? But there was a long time where I didn't feel comfortable. And so I, I you know, I monetized YouTube as soon as I could, but you know, my first few months, I made fifty bucks, right? My 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 just my base production cost for my my podcast is is astronomical,
0: you know. I hey man, I understand. Like I'm in the same boat. I, I had my first show sponsored recently, and I just got our first sponsor. So I I totally understand that. Like it, it's a tough place to be in, and obviously it shows what your passion is because you. A lot of us do this because we feel a calling to do it or a you know a desire to do it or it feels something for us as well and I just I wanted to make sure we told that story you know it's the same reason i I don't have a sign off legitimately because your sign off has affected me so much <laughs> that I'm so cognizant of it and it's real. It's passionate. It's you. I mean, I know you, and 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 when you do your sign-off every time, I'm like, and it's one of the first things my little brother said to me when I told him I was doing a podcast, and he listened to the first episode, and he was like, you need to sign off. And I was like, yeah, man, I, maybe that'll come at some point. It'll and, come. And Randy told me, like, let these things, like, just evolve naturally and come in, but i'm not gonna do that and maybe someday i will but right now i don't because your sign off is so powerful and so meaningful that i was like i can't touch that that's like that's like trying to do a joe rogan or dave Chappelle skit and like (laughs) bring something to that like you just you can't do some of those things
2: but i will chime in and say you're not Randy. Right. Randy no, yeah, has exactly. his own North Star, his own path, his own being. Exactly. Yours is still developing. It's going to exactly. You know, I've been a photographer forever. And early on in my photography career, I was so busy comparing myself to other photographers and styles and looks. And then when people started hiring for the way that I do photography, I realized that this is my lane. Embrace it. But it took forever to get there, and I'm still growing and evolving in that. But this is too; it's the same way. But just listening to what you just said about your brother, and then how you said you didn't take sponsors and everything because you felt like you have not arrived at the place to take that on—that speaks volumes. So, even though you're thoroughly impressed by his sign off and everything, yours is coming.
0: Oh, I know it is. I just I wanted to say that—that just you know. If anybody's listening to Randy's podcast, he signs it off the same way every time. And it's just, it's meaningful, it's heartfelt, and it's its driven by his purpose. And that's why I wanted him to talk a little bit about his purpose, because I, I just feel it's important. You know, everybody finding their purpose and why they do something.
2: That's hard.
0: It's hard. It's I'm still looking for hard.
2: clarity yeah. and a North Star to find a path because your life evolves so fast and everything around you does. And it'd be great to have blinders on, but it's like, if I don't have a fork in the road, I got like 10 million of them. Yeah. Which one do you follow?
0: But it also pisses me off that people would even call this man a fraud or take certain issues with him and what he's done. I'm just saying, me personally, as your friend and as somebody else, like it, it just it kind of makes me mad and it frustrates me. And I was like... God, I hope I don't have to deal with but that. But he's at some grown
2: beyond that.
0: No, but I know he yeah. has I still cry sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i was just saying like, it kind of makes me mad because like he's done these things and like he's done it out of his own pocket. But yeah, he's been blessed with a lot of things as well. And like he's done well for himself in a lot of different avenues. But you know, for people to attack a man and say he's a fraud when he's pouring his heart out like that and people and, you know, are your sharing friends. His passion.
2: People are your friends until you either stop doing for them or you don't do it their way. For sure. For now all sure. of a sudden, they're critics and that word entitlement that you used, mm-hmm. man, it is it's horrible these days. Yeah. I mean, COVID really brung out everybody's true, whatever you want to call it, or maybe they're just saying, but I thought kids were entitled. They got to learn it from somewhere.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and I'll say, you know, I... I should go back and do the research to see when I started doing my sign off, but, I mean, it wasn't in the first year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm guessing it's somewhere around episode seventy five ish. We're almost yeah. at two hundred, and wow. and what what happened was, you know, I'm I'm doing the podcast, and my wife said, uh, "Well, I say that, my." My sign-off, I'm going to do the full sign-off at the end. Okay. And so if you're listening and you want to hear the sign-off that was inspiring to him, then keep listening. Don't, don't click off. But um, the very end of my sign-off, I always say, if you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. Yeah. Right? That's the very end of my sign-off and um my wife said to me at some point because i was saying that she's like they don't know why you're saying that that sounds insane to a, a stranger yeah right they they think you're crazy There's no backstory right they think you're insane for telling you or for you telling them that you love them and you need to you need to explain every episode why you love them yeah and that's when I changed my sign-off to what it is today, and I've, I've never changed it since.
0: See, Lindsay, you are super interesting, and you have great ideas.
1: Exactly. Uh, hey, all wives out there listening to this, your husband thinks you're amazing way more than you do, all right? like For sure. Stop, stop discounting yourself and just accept the fact that that man's love is 100% pure. So same, same thing, right? My wife, you know... But she had that insight to go, yeah. you know, this is going to be confusing for people. And I thought, oh, that makes sense, you know, because I love everyone, right? But, and, and, and then every so often, you know, some troll or whatever would, would draw me out, and I'd, I'd lose my mind, and, <laughs> and, I, and I, I'd give them the business, you know. And one guy was like, oh, this from the guy that loves everyone, Right, And I, yeah. and, and my response to him was, do I look like a simp? Yeah. You let me know that I'm not making a difference for you. And you don't give a fuck about me. Yeah. And so now you were my mortal fucking enemy. Yeah. And that's okay. I can love a stranger. Yeah. But once you try to attack my ness. For lack yeah. of a better term, like the thing that is the essence Most of me. Of like once you try to attack that, like fuck you. Like I don't, yeah. you know, I don't care anymore. Yeah, about I, I'm never going to convert you. Yeah, right. You
0: don't have to listen. You don't have you to don't watch. Have to, right? You don't have to be a fan.
1: And and I get it, right? So there, and you know, my my joke is like, look, bro, I don't know if your mother held you too much when you were a baby, or. Too little. I don't know what makes you this way, where you are scrolling through the Internet and see some random Joe telling people that he loves them and encouraging them not to have the fate that his brother did that killed himself, and you see that and go, "Fuck that." Yeah, I have to destroy whatever this yeah. is whatever that thing is or that even you have,
0: comment on that
1: like whatever that is I'm like I can't I'm I can't help you like yeah. see a counselor or something I don't know you know um but what I've learned is is that you don't build a thing for everyone people are looking for things and you know the 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 fill the dreams you know if if you build it they will come build the thing that resonates with your heart. Yeah. And if you build it, the people that that also resonates with, they'll come, they'll come along, but it's not going to be everyone. No, but going through that process, especially in the beginning, because the first people to get exposed to your message are the people that are already part of your circle. Yeah. And those are the people, unfortunately, that are most likely to reject your message because they think that you're saying something about them in your message. Yeah. Because they feel like you're making yourself an authority, which makes them not an authority. And those thoughts never crossed my mind. None of that ever crossed my mind.
0: Until you said that, I would would have never thought of that.
1: But, you know, I I mean, there are people who, quite honestly, were kind of celebrities to me. Yeah that I can't talk with anymore, that I can't be friends with anymore, that talk negatively about me to anyone who will listen. And I don't fully understand it, but I'm trying to get to a place where I can accept that as part of the process and go, okay, how many private messages did that person receive from somebody who decided not to blow their brains out because of what you put out into the world yeah i'm guessing that the answer is 0 0 for sure right and and so i i said that the other day to my cuz i have a leadership team for bourbon real talk community and um somebody was you know being negative and all that and i and i said that to the team i said How many, how many people do you think that that individual has stopped from blowing their brains out? I think it's zero. It's powerful. And I don't know how many people we have stopped from killing themselves, but I know it's not zero. Yeah. One's enough. Right? Because I've gotten private messages from people who are too embarrassed to go public. Yeah. that have shared that information with me. And I gotta believe that if there are people out there that have pressed through that, that social thing that we have to not talk about our mental health issues as men, and I, I've never received a message from a woman, all of the messages of people who were contemplating suicide who decided not to do it because of the community that I built or the message that I presented were all men and and when i when i think about that i gotta think well how many didn't press past the social norm to keep these things to yourself yeah there has to be more people out there that this has made a difference too right yeah
0: there's a lot that don't hit send
1: that don't hit send and and so you know it, and that's why i make a really big deal when people come to me and they say i want to start a podcast or I want to start my own business I I tell them what is your why you better have a big one because I promise you before you get to the success that you're imagining in this new venture you're going to get so much negative feedback that you literally have to be at a place where your sanity could be questioned to keep going Because all of the data is gonna tell you that you were on the wrong path. All of it. Your family. There's not a single family member that supported me in what I'm doing in the beginning. Not my wife, not my father, not my mother, no one. Everyone thought I was crazy. And I said, you'll see
0: damn that's a tough place to be man
1: that sucks but yeah kudos and to now you. look yeah right i mean every day i get a message from somebody that tells me that i encourage them yeah not every day but i get multiple someday so yeah I, you know i get it averages out it averages out right like yeah. i get a message probably every day from somebody that said i was in a dark place you helped me get through a dark time you you know all that stuff and and that was my mission and my vision but also it it can make money too yeah and and take care of my family right i mean I've, i've i've i have misfortune like everyone else and and now i'm getting to a place where i I might be able to make enough money to take care of me and my family and fuck all the dumb shit, right? Yeah. Like if something bad happens, cool. Yeah. Right? You can't you can't touch me. Right? I mean, I'm not there yet, but I'm 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 getting closer.
0: Well, you're also teaching your kids. I saw your kids just wanting a high recognition of the little young entrepreneurs they're becoming too. And I mean I know your wife really has helped drive that too. Oh, of for sure. Teaching them these things and and, and helping them find their place and teaching these basic concepts. Yeah. I think that's absolutely amazing. I mean, what if, maybe you could speak a little bit about that too, like uh, in how you guys approach that because they, I mean, I'm sure they want to be involved. They see you guys doing all these things, especially you and Lindsay being involved and stuff that like she's you know she now helps full time I think pretty much with like yeah all your different projects or at least several of them um to to some degree whether support or actually physically being involved and helping with that and I I think there's something to be said for that and what you guys are putting out there and teaching them because you're not just like it's not so the family just says okay yeah we're doing good here you go like both your kids were coming of the age of getting their driver's license, cars, stuff like that, and you guys, you guys helped show them and help find a way to start their own businesses.
1: Yep. So you know the backstory was, and I, and I don't mean to talk negatively about you know my wife Lindsay, but there was a time that she didn't see it. Right. But but through my perseverance and pushing through, she did see it. Yeah. And she has skills that I don't have. Yeah. Um, I am a good enough is good enough guy. Right? So when I want to sell a product, I source it. And I put it in shitty packaging. And I ship it out to the customer. Right? And she's like, no, no. That's not what we do. We do everything with it. We wouldn't do that in the colony. Right. Damn it, Randy. <laughs> the mean screws of the colony. Right? So, So she comes in and she... Like, standardizes all of the processes. She takes over sourcing. She figures out how to find everything that we need.
0: She finds some really cool stuff, by really the way. Really cool stuff. I thought about bringing some of that up here, but I and didn't want to, like, barrage the table with and, some and of the and stuff I, I, I
1: bring, I bring her thing, and I'm like, find me this. And then yeah. she does. And I'm like, put my logo on it. And she's like, like this. And I'm like, yes. Right? <laughs> so she's crushing it. Um, And so, you know, there was a point where she she didn't work you know she stayed at home with the kids but once the kids started going to school you know and we had a house cleaner and i'm the cook in the family and i bought the groceries and and we were sending our laundry out to a service and all that stuff at some point i was like okay what do you want to do You yeah. know and she she went to school she became an esthetician uh, went to laser school became a laser technician and went to work and I mean it, I'm sure there's not a ton of women listening to this podcast um, UBMA is but, like actually we have a pretty good good squad do you? you see
0: our demographics our demographics are right there
1: right there okay so <laughs> if you're a woman just know that, that the, the laser industry and, and aesthetics in general is a racket and there's licensing that you have to have to be able to do these things Um, but if you have a medical doctor that's involved with your practice, um, people who are untrained can operate under the doctor's license. And as a result, all the regulatory authorities that are over those groups have no power. Only the medical board has power and the medical board doesn't give a shit about a doctor who's lasering people that he's not supposed to because yeah. they're worried about the dude that's paralyzing people during surgeries. Cause he doesn't know yeah. how to do. I don't surgery. care
0: that you burnt some dude's asshole right, doing exactly.
1: <laughs> and so through this process, my, my wife is working for a company. She's at, they're asking her to do all of these things that are absolutely illegal. All of their equipment's illegal. It's not even supposed to be in the, in, in the United States. And when she ended up leaving that organization we had the opportunity for her to take over full time yeah. and, and, and work for the podcast and the business and the, the merch company that we have now because we sell whiskey-related you know, related merchandise. Um, and the kids were seeing all of this play out. And my daughter came to me when she was 15, and she's 18 now. And she said, I don't want you guys to buy my car. I want to buy my own car and we said okay what are you gonna do you want to do she's like i want to start a business and at the time i was de- developing the whiskey uh sensory kit that i created the whiskey and rum kit.
0: that's amazing by the way so quick little side note keep your train of thought but my nose has been broken so many times that when i sit here and even if it's a proper Glen, I, it's either going to hit me or it's not you know i've had two reconstructions on my nose My sense of smell, even pre-COVID, was shit, basically. So I have to rely way more on other senses than I do smell. Um, But your sensory kit that's, the you know, where you can smell these things, and it's, I did a lot of research, you have probably the best one and, like, that's got the most and the most common things that there is out there and for the most fair price i will say too if you really go do your research so any of you that are looking to be able to do that better or further your bourbon journey i highly recommend that you check out bourbon real talk he's got a lot of stuff on there but go ahead i i I didn't want to i just wanted to throw that out there a little bit like that sensory kit sits on my bar i get asked about it every time people come to my house and are walking around my bar. Once they get done looking at the wall, they immediately are looking over there and there's, it's got my barrel and then right next to it is a sensory kit. And they're like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, it it helps me because there's a lot of times and it's it's not as often now that I'll grab a bottle and I'm just like, what is it that I really am enjoying about this? taste or smell, you know, like, you're trying to, like, break down things, like, why is this place getting this note or whatever? Like, I mean, it's not bananas, but, um, anyways, it's, you know, you, you gotta find some of those things and, and it's helped me because there's been things that I haven't picked out before. I mean, there's very common things in bourbon that stand out real quickly. Dill pickle, banana, medicinal cherry, like just to name three right, right off the bat and leather, you know, like those things are really easy. But when you get something and I, I introduced this to a couple guys just Sunday that came over to my house. Um, I don't know if you've tried this or not yet. I'm sure you probably have. But um, the Leopold Brothers Three Chambers Still Rye. It's one of my favorites. I think I brought you a sample yeah, one time I, when I, I came I over. To, yeah, And it's got... I mean it's just every time and it opens up more and more and it's like every time i taste it i taste something completely different and i've had to go through and really do that and it's one of the only things that really helps me break that stuff down
1: yeah well and and that was my intent i i used to collect wine before i got into whiskey i had a wine aroma kit i trained my palate with it and um people started asking me when i do whiskey reviews like how do you identify the individual flavors? And I was like, well, I have this wine aroma kit, and then I thought, like, you know what, I'll just go find a whiskey aroma kit, and then I'll send them the link. And I went to go look for one. Uh, there wasn't one that was good. Like, no, they're terrible. There, 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 was, there was one that had, you know, a ton of scents in it, but most of them were associated with scotch, so there wasn't really one for American whiskey. And the one that I could find that was for bourbon had... Um, corn rye which are in almost every single bourbon yeah nothing and cauliflower people. yeah what does cauliflower taste like whatever you season it with i swear to god if i Smelling was watching your bourbon though. whiskey review and you told me that you were detecting cauliflower i will punch you in the jejunum like no and that i'm not drinking i'm not drinking that either not allowed and I was like, why is there not a good one for American whiskey? And uh, my wife had gone to aesthetic school and she was taking some cosmetic formulation uh, classes. And I said like, hey, what if you like help me make this aroma kit? So she starts sourcing um, fragrance oils for me to sample. And we, we probably went through 350 or 400 uh, fragrance oil samples Ooh. to find the 36 that are now in the kit. But during this time frame, my daughter says she wants to start her own business, and we have all these fragrance oils all over the house, and my daughter said, what if I started a candle company? Because we've already got all these fragrance oils and all this stuff, and my wife was like, all right, so she started to do the research figured out what kind of wax was best.
0: When he says research, he means like a nuclear scientist attacked
1: oh, bro. making did a candle. Do it? Just for she any did of you it. that do not know so, Lindsay, but, but I
0: guarantee you it was I'm
1: on a nuclear months, level. Months of just shit all over the counter.
2: So let me tell you something. My wife started a candle company years and years ago. I had to literally section off part of the house because people don't understand paraffin wax you know the terms of throw mm-hmm. sense. you had yeah. to test you Cold had to throw, test all the yes throw. yes yeah. when I say shit all over the house we almost got arrested because UPS dropped a bag of wax and it looks like flakes and they thought we were drug dealers mm-hmm Literally had the nosy to see lady next door. I'm just
1: gonna it go, go on like record a and say that was racist plant. because I have a lot of weird shit delivered to my house and no one has ever gotten upset about it.
2: We were the, we were all known. We were literally the only black vibe family in a five mile radius in the neighborhood <laughs> I lived in, and we had the biggest house. So I was in radio at the time. So when you have a black family in Millard, Nebraska, yeah. and you're driving the first. Uh, I had a 2007 Avalanche. That's the first body style that they redid it yeah. on. Twenty fours had a BMW 760. Had an M3, and I had a truck. Yeah, we were drug dealers, dealers all day long. Yeah, yeah but that the, the candle game profile. Oh, crazy! Mrs. Kravitz lived next door. If you don't know who Mrs. Kravitz <laughs> is, you're not old enough. But yeah, the candle. I know game who Biggie Smalls is
0: now? Lord.
2: Uh, the candle game was serious. That, yeah. is, that is a lot. Very intuitive. That's a lot.
1: And my wife's a perfectionist. And yeah. what, what people don't realize is... So is, is um, I thought I was, but I, fi- I figured out I wasn't.
0: Okay? No, I mean, you're like borderline. Like, there's a line between perfection and OCD, and you and I ride that line. No, no,
1: no. no. I define myself as a driver. My wife is a perfectionist. So for me, if I can't reach perfection, I'm going to get as close as I can, but I'm still going to drive forward. Yeah. Not Lindsay. Yeah. If she can't get I to can perfection, she won't move from where she's at. Yeah. And so what y'all don't know, all of y'all out there because you said you got a lot of female viewers and men buy candles too. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is trying to kill you for profit. Yes. Okay? And, and the way they do it is they, they put a wick in their candle it's way too hot so it burns off the candle real fast yep so that you'll buy more candles and it doesn't happen often but every so often the candle explodes and burns the house down and kills you and your family and they have insurance for that and they don't give a shit about that so they're totally okay with killing you just so long as they can sell more candles now my wife will rack her brain for six months have weeks at a time that she and I can't even talk because she's so frustrated. We can't even get along because she's trying to figure out the new wick for this new jar, right? <laughs> and, and, and she went through all of that process to get the candles right and the wicks right for my daughter's candle company. And we launched and we made my daughter do shows on the weekends and yep. go and hawk yep. those candles yep. and all yeah. that stuff. And, and she ended up making the money um and we helped i mean but she paid she paid more than anyone else but my parents helped and we helped and she paid cash for a car and her car is worth more than mine i'm not gonna lie um and and she did that Uh, but the candle company is named after my daughter and my son so once my daughter got her candle or her car we're like hey son yeah you hot candles now (laughs) yeah and so now he's doing the shows and he's doing all that stuff to try and get his car
2: I never in my life thought I would meet another man that can understand the candle making journey. I mean, we did it for ten years, and
0: and Lindsay thinks she's not even interesting. So I mean, if our
2: wives met, oh, it's a wrap. Oh, it's a wrap. Oh, no, 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 they can't because I don't need you to start doing that shit again. No, no, she does. (laughs) She makes custom blankets. Yeah, she does other stuff. And when I say we, man, that's why I have trucks. We had a trailer going to all the craft shows and traveling around and the customers we had. And people don't understand, every scent can't be a candle scent. You just can't grab anything and throw it in the batch because of the chemical compound.
1: You got to test the wick. Yeah, man. And and the wax with that That. scent.
2: And you got to test how long and you got to time it to see how long it burns. You got to weigh it. You got to... Everything. Too much.
1: Yeah, and so anytime somebody's like, "Hey, can I get your empty whiskey bottles? Because I'm going to turn them into candles." I'm like, "You can kill somebody," because exactly. yeah. I know for sure you're not doing the testing you need to do on this wax to know, whack to, <laughs> <wick> <laughs> right. to know whether or not this wick is going to. If you want to make a
0: lamp blow. or an ashtray, or you want to melt it. Cool. You can have the bottle.
1: Yeah. So, so that's kind of the story with the kids, and and it's helped to to kind of pass on that entrepreneur gene. You know? Yeah. But we've, you know, I, we also made our daughter get a, a job um, at a major retailer because it's like, you know, you may not ever work for anybody full-time, you know, after you get out of college, maybe you start your own business right off the rip. I'm here to support you. But Once you I, need that experience. But I want you to have that experience because you're going to have employees. And go
0: wait tables. Right?
1: <laughs> you're going to have employees that that's, you're that experience for them yeah and i want you to know what it's like yeah right? and so we we did have her go out and work retail and and deal with the karens that you know yeah we're complaining about the coupons and how the refunds worked and all that yeah. stuff um but you know it, it i we're, we're trying to raise uh well-rounded kids we may have gone too hard in the paint and making my daughter too you know too prickly a little too strong you know but uh, I think it's going to work out in the end. I think so. You, you got two seems, really good kids. She seems to be impervious to fuck boys, which, you know, <laughs> that's... <laughs> yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah, that's why he stays in that gym steady.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah. Every time I see Randy, I told you i want to go do push-ups. I know. When he walked yeah, in, you're yeah. like,
0: I need to go do some push-ups. Randy gym, just walked in yeah, looking like, all swollen shit.
1: So, funny story. So, my daughter is 15 at the time. I don't think she's 16 yet. Her, one of her best friends, 16, she got a boyfriend, and they want to go get ice cream. Boyfriend's drive. Mm. I say fun. Uh, back then, my wife and I watched TV at night without the kids. Now, we all get together as a family, so we watch family-friendly stuff that's age-appropriate for our kids. Mm. But back then, we'd watch stuff like Game of Thrones and you know whatnot where the kids weren't in the room. And so we're sitting there watching TV, and I'm drinking whiskey as one does and I hear a noise on the front porch and it's my daughter who screams. So immediately I think, date rape, time to kill. Uh, (laughs) Also, I hate clothes. Um, I don't like wearing a lot of clothes. I'm always hot. And so I'm shirtless wearing shorts. I've got shorts on over my underwear, but I got nothing else on. I've got shorts and underwear on, that's it, I'm shirtless. And I've been drinking and my daughter screamed on the porch. So I go stomping out of the house like a fucking gorilla, who's prepared to kill to war. And I open up the door and I walk past my daughter looking for the threat. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and she's, she she's like, no, 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 daddy, there was a spider. And there's a boy that had started to walk towards the front porch from the vehicle and, but I'm still in kill mode. Yeah. Like for sure, for sure. (laughs) And I have murder in my eyes and he can see it. Yeah. And he is a small like 16 or 17 year old boy and I am me and angry and puffed up. And um, he, his eyes are the size of saucers. And I'm like, And i just turn around and walk inside because I, could, I couldn't turn it off. You know what I mean? And I think that fucked the whole thing up. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm... It
0: saved you until college. Right,
1: right. I've. I, I, and, and so... The greatest
0: worst thing that happened.
1: Right. And so my daughter's, like, not had a serious boyfriend or anything like that. Like, dad,
0: the guys won't talk to me because the they all heard the story.
1: Right? And I'm like, did I, you know... And then And then my wife was like... I know you think that's cool but but now our daughter's gonna have her first date in college when we're not there to be there for her right and i'm like "Mm, that's probably not a good look yeah i'm like we still have time there's some time left in the semester maybe she'll meet a nice boy i promise i won't eat him you know it's gonna be good
2: so there was no proms no homecomings no none of that
1: no, I mean, she she went to prom last year, but she went with all of her girlfriends. Um, she's she's had a couple of what I would consider dates where boys ask her to go eat, you know, and stuff like that. And I asked her about it. One boy, and I, I mean, like, I was... I don't want to be, but I was kind of impressed with his play. So he... <laughs> I got to hear this he, story. He, he, he asked her to go... I think it was ice cream. He asked her to go get ice cream and she said no. And then later that day, he posted on his Instagram, getting ice cream with another girl. Mm. And she told me about it and I was like, hey, I'm mad, but I kind of respect that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and and I was like, how did it make you feel? And she's like, I didn't like it. And I was like, "That's what he was going for, right?" Like,
0: I can't wait to the prom or the homecoming where it's like you and Philip hanging out at the house. No, and the,
1: and the date shows up. Philip like, cannot be there.
0: Oh, I think it would be a great idea. So, Bad boys too. Oh man, like legit. Like, and it's so funny because this blew my mind, and I I, I had to hear this story because mind you. I moved to Texas in 96 so I started at the colony my junior year Randy's graduating my best friend is like a year younger than me and that's Marcus and he's he's one of my two best friends from the colony Marcus and Jacob and Marcus has an older brother that had already graduated before I even got there and he's got two little brothers And at the time I mean, they were in elementary school, Philip and Steven. And it's just funny that, you know, so Lindsay was like the same grade as me. Maybe she was a year older than me, I think. Are we the same? she graduated in 98?
1: No, she's She's uh, 97.
0: 97, yeah. Yeah. So she graduated a year before me. And, you know, I knew Lindsay because of Marcus because they were in choir together. And Lindsay always talked about, him, oh, my boyfriend, my
1: boyfriend. I go, boyfriend? Who? I, we don't ever see this guy. Sadly, uh, the boyfriend she was talking about was not me.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, we, we, we hear this, and then it's, like, her and Randy, and it's, like, I kept hearing this guy, Randy, and, you know, this and that, and Mark's telling me, like, oh, you know, don't mess with Lindsay. you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was just funny. They, they had this little choir packed. And it's, like, and then all these years go by, and we graduate and stuff, and Mark's been one of my best friends. And then, you know, I didn't, I lost touch with Marcus for about seven, eight years when he went to Florida and some other things. And then he came back and we got back in touch. And, you know, now Philip and Steven are full grown. And I'm like, you know, if you've seen Steven, like, holy shit, it's like Johnny Jr. And then Philip, it's just like, damn, son. Yeah. You know, like Philip's always been a big boy. You know, but like, you know, Phil comes in and it's like, then I meet you guys and we start talking and we're talking about the colony and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, my best friends. I'm like, wait, you're older than me. And Marcus is my, one of my best friends. Yeah. And your best friends are those little brothers. I was like, wait, you got to tell me the story. And then we, you know, we, we, we messed that out and like heard all that. And like, I just, I, that was super interesting to cross and how small the world really is when you get into something like that
1: yeah and it was it was the same thing i you know i was in college i i found the lord and i got involved in church and um i became a junior high youth pastor and the church that i was at had uh, what they called sidewalk sunday school that was yeah. car chapman park where yeah. Where the Robertson's lived, yeah, and uh, Philip was one of the kids that that went, you know, yeah. Conley and a handful of others, and they started coming to to church there, and I met him and got close with them and stuck with them, yeah. And you know, Philip eventually came to work for me, and we were workout partners for years, and you know, that's how I ended up becoming you know best friends with somebody that was way younger than me, <laughs> you know, that I you know I knew his brother in high school, obviously, yeah. Um, But, yeah, man, you know, it's all about connection and relationship. And, you know, he was um, a big influence in me deciding to start this podcast because I realized that, you know, there are people all around you that you have completely different worldviews. Yeah, very simply because you had different experiences growing up,
0: and the colony is like a melting pot. So sure, you get a lot of different views and things. And we grew up in that, so it gives us a lot of different perspectives than some other places. Whether you went to Plano, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, not, I'm not knocking on any of these other schools or anything like that. Like it, it's just it's different, right? And yeah. I moved every three years growing up, so I have a drastically different opinion and view on a lot of that. But so h- how do you balance all of this, Randy? Like, are you a person that like really like, cause I've noticed in, you know, all the great leaders, all the great business people and stuff that I read books on and that I follow. And then, you know, what my routines are personally, are you a, are you a guy that plans out your whole day and really designates time to things? Because you you juggle a lot between family and business and personal pursuits.
1: That's a good question. I um, I am a checkoff list guy. Okay. So I I discovered uh, Google Calendar many years ago, and I discovered that you can have an event and you can have a reminder. And so I rely very heavily on reminders, so that if you go hey, Randy, when you get home, can you check to see if you have one of these cigars in your humidor? I will set a reminder. And I know that it's not going to slip through the cracks. And that's the only thing that allows me to sleep at night. Um, and honestly, I don't sleep that well. I have so much going on in my head that I, I, I struggle to sleep. I, you know, uh, But the, the checkoff list is what makes it all happen. And so every day when I wake up, it is, a, it is a race to get through as much of the checkoff list as I can. I have not completed my checkoff list in probably 10 years.
0: Do you write or journal?
1: I, I do not. I, okay,
0: this is, my, this is my pro tip for you. Okay. My eye doctor told me this when I was like 18 or 19, and I'm not going to go into this deeply because we're kind of short on time, but my dad taught Franklin Covey Planner, for the government Mm -hmm. and when i got my first c in high school i had to fully adapt and take on this franklin covey planner bullshit at the time i thought but like it
1: dictated my life and helped me so much the first like so i was a franklin covey planner person all right and i converted it to uh, my google calendar and i used i used the Reminder system the same way that you use a frame okay. and Covey. Yeah. So you you get you get those basic. There are concept. some features that are missing. I wish you could rank your priority items in A, B, and C, mm. and then one, you two, could three. number them one, two, yeah, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I wish you could do that. It doesn't do that. Yeah. Um. But if, if you if you have a reminder that's too low in your list, so you can you. delete it. Yeah. And then re-enter it. And if there's like four or five that are top priority, you can rank them, and then you can delete them and re-add them in the order that you need. So they show up in your list. So I'm, I'm a Franklin cubby guy. I do that. Um, but you know, it's, I, I also work more than most people do.
0: Right. So here, here, here's your pro tip for being able to shut your brain off and sleep more at night. Business. tried this. It works for him. Yep. It's worked for me tremendously. And if I have trouble sleeping, I put myself back in this mode every time. And it helps tremendously. So my eye doctor of all people and Dr. Malone, great, great eye doctor, super good dude. He told me, he's like, get a little journal. He's like, Oh, call it a diary, call it a journal, call it whatever you want. That makes you feel good about it. Get a notebook, get a pen and pad. And before you go to bed, 15, 20 minutes before you go to bed, let's just start out with giving yourself 15 minutes. He's like, start writing. Write whatever is on your mind. If it's writing down the things that you did not accomplish in the day off your checklist, if it's things you're thinking about for tomorrow, things you want to do in the future, things, just, just whatever, write. And cut yourself off at 15 minutes. But if you feel impelled to write more, write more. He's like, it'll, it'll start creating this habit. And he's like, as soon as you take it off your brain and put it on paper, I promise you're going to start sleeping better. Mm. And I started doing this and man, if you can see at times I'm having trouble in my life, sleeping, I will go do this. Like I keep it. I mean, like I've got four or five of these that like, are one's by my bed, one's at my office, one's in my briefcase. I, I carry them around with me. Like they're scatterbrained because it's like, there's four different notebooks. It's just so random thoughts. I just pick up, but like, I can write and just get it off my brain and I'm not shitting you, like getting it off of your brain, physically pen to paper, it'll help. Hmm.
2: My brain is like bees buzzing in a coffee can when I lay down in the night and you can't figure it out. And I tried that, just started writing it all out, all out, all out, and my ass fell asleep. Yeah, it's like reading a book. Cause I do the same thing, a to-do list every day and when I don't get done, I transfer it to the next day and add another 18 things to it. And it never stops. But the biggest challenge, I think, is how do you prioritize? Like, for me, I spend spend 18 plates. And I feel I'm not making any headway or making any money at these 18 plates. So I just want three. Just give me three plates I can focus everything in on. And it never ends up that way. You just got to, like, it goes back to what we said earlier, finding your purpose, finding your why. And that's... You know,
0: well, and there's an amazing thing you can do too. And I learned this from Brandon Frakes. He does this like crazy ass, and his is so much more productive and organized than mine is. But he does like a year in review where, like, oh, yeah. yeah, he takes a day or two at the end of the year and he goes through all of his like notes and everything that he journals, writes, puts into his remarkable or whatever it is that he uses and he does this self reflection where for a day he just kind of like goes through analyzes it and then he pulls data out of that and then he sets the page and the tone for the next year like I do not go that in depth by any means but what I do try to do at the end of the year is take a day whether it's 4 6 hours whatever And I just kind of thumb through the book and, you know, I I take notes or, you know, I'll just see things and I kind of reread what I did. And it's like it gives you a sense of accomplishment because you can kind of go through there and see what you did accomplish, what you didn't accomplish, what you want to move forward. And you think about just in your current life, like, okay, where does this need to adapt, evolve, move a different direction? And you can do that in that manner just by reviewing those notes because it was crazy when I started this podcast I went back and looked at a note when it when it hit me after I did the couple podcasts with the Frakes I had been trying to do a blog and all this other stuff but I was too analytical of my own writing so I kept scrapping things it's like it was never good enough to put out in the public that's the difference
1: between me and you I'm not a perfectionist good enough is good enough I put it out there and somebody's like
0: but i did that for a while <laughs> i did that for a while but then i was like over analytical of what i put out and then it was like i got to a point where I was like what you'd call writer's block or whatever like i kind of got to where I, I just wouldn't put it out like i just scrapped i'd i'd write refine it spend hours on this and then all of a sudden i'd be sitting there and i'd be like okay this final draft yeah no like that's that's not what i want to put out and then like the blog just died mm. And then I started doing the podcast and I did two like back to back within a month. And I was like, I can do this. I can talk in front of a camera. I can, if I can just talk and share, way easier, way better for me. And I went back and looked at my journals and my notes, you know, and kind of went through it and I was like, wow, holy shit, this kind of idea started like five, six years ago. It just took me being exposed to these things and trying these things and failing and not seeing it to get to this point that I was just like, okay, this is the avenue. Let's, let's go all in on this avenue right? And, and, and just go for it and let it become whatever it becomes. Right. So I, I highly recommend that for anybody that has trouble sleeping. Like literally like just empty your brain on a piece of paper with pen. And so, I'm going to
1: answer your question because you asked how I get it all done. Um, and um, the abridged version is humans don't crave success. Hmm. Humans crave progress. And I'm going to finish that thought when I get back from going to the bathroom because I drink a lot of water. He so said he was going to go. I he said, said I was gonna gonna go.
0: Go. I he was going to do it. Better. So, you guys get so a little kind of biz thought. and Garrett for <laughs> a minute or two here.
2: Alright, so, uh, while we're waiting on Renny to come back, do we have some very interesting guests upcoming in season two? You don't want to let the cat out the bag, or maybe you do.
0: All right, all right. I mean, if you're going to make me, if Biz is going to throw it up here, we have, I mean, like, I'm, like starting with tonight, I'm super excited about this season. Like, getting Randy on here was a goal of mine. Randy's giving me a lot of advice. He's a good friend. And I felt like people would really enjoy hearing Randy's messages and what Randy has to say, but coming up like next week, we have Michael Leto. Um, Mike is somebody I've had to talk to and convince to come on the show. Mike is like that middleman between a sports agent and a businessman. And, he takes and teaches these young athletes how to do business, how to create a brand, how to how to do lots of things. And I'm super excited to have him on the show next week. He's gonna be coming straight out of the combine with some of his literally NFL players. Off the road. Like literally, like he lands that morning and is coming in here that night to do the podcast, because I've literally Hounded the shit out of him to do it. So he's coming in here. The week after that, I mean, we have Baptiste Day, and yeah. <laughs> Baptiste is going to be here. And Baptiste's story and what this guy does, he's like the French redneck that just showed up in Texas and is a YouTube phenomenon. In France.
2: Holds the bench press record.
0: I mean in France. Bench Press record in France. And I
2: was with him yesterday for eight hours filming for his YouTube channel. Oh, dude,
0: I don't know how you do that shit.
2: I don't either, because I was covered in cow shit and horse muck <laughs> when I came home. We vaccinated forty head of cattle. We if you ever watched eighteen eighty three or nineteen twenty-three, yeah. if if you seen it. There's a guy no, in there. No, I
0: watched Yellowstone. I haven't finished I Yellowstone. Watched, no, I, 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 I to like watch the prequels, the
2: but these are the Until people that there. provide the cattle and actually feed the cast. Taylor Sheridan buys his meat from the guy we hung out with yesterday. Yeah. Like, and I was there vaccinating cows and checking teeth for age and all this. I it took me all night to clean this camera up. I say <laughs> like that. It was man.
0: I mean, I just I, it's going to be interesting stuff. But now that we got Randy back.
1: All right. Sorry about that. I I uh I've not been uh, drinking during the week um as as much because, you know, health and things. Me
0: neither. Me I got back into a workout program. Uh I'm going to give a little shout out to Alex Shaw. Yeah. I Alex. started the Whiskey Weight Loss program. Basically 3 weeks ago. 3 weeks ago was my onboarding. Last week was my first full week. This is my second week. Getting back into that routine of being a 5 a.m.er at the gym and getting my my workouts in, being a little more cognizant of what I eat and drink and put in my body. Because, honestly, I take pictures with these guests after every show and I'm like... God, I've turned into a fat ass. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like, d- this week's going to be terrible because I got super jacked Randy over here, you oh, know. Oh, no. I'm, suck I'm I'm it got, in. Suck know, it in. Kid Hamlin, you know, who looks like he's doing a GQ magazine every time he goes out in public, That's you know. That's fair. It's yeah. like you, when you're around all these guys, it's like, holy shit, I'm letting myself slide. Like, I got I to gotta do something here. But, I mean, you gave me an excuse this week. I have so many open bottles in my house. I've stopped opening bottles until a certain amount of bottles are killed with guests and friends coming over. And I've had these two bottles that are someone say whiskey picks, and they're two of my favorites. One used to be a like hidden gem secret of mine until you assholes went and did a barrel pick with them. And now the whole damn world in Texas knows about it. Everyone
1: buy Frey Ranch whiskey.
0: Yeah, Frey Ranch is the shit. I really like the rye. I'm really glad you didn't do a rye pick, but I wish you'd done a rye pick because I really love their rye, and they keep a lot of their rye for distillery-only releases. So uh, I'm just saying. And then one of my good friends is also the guy that reps Castle & Key, and I've had that in my locker for a while, and it's something I really enjoy. And I've just, I have bottles open of both of these, but these are both, someone say, whiskey picks that you guys see here that we're drinking on tonight. And I used Randall coming on my show to, you know, justify justify opening these bottles, even though I haven't obtained my goal of killing a couple other bottles to bring these out and open them up. But, you know, what do you, what do you open for the guy that has whores at his house and opens his house up to everybody and has a bourbon wall as much as you guys that actually have seen my bourbon wall give me shit my wall does not hold a candle to this man's wall and he built his whole wall his damn self I designed my wall but I had other people because I'm in construction (laughs) build my wall this man physically built his wall himself and it is unbelievable
1: well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, thank you for sharing these sports with me. I I loved both of these picks. I think both were a first uh, for Texas. Um, yeah, that's the first single barrel for Texas. The first single barrel from uh, and, Castle and same King. thing for Frey Ranch. I think it's the same for Frey Ranch. Um, I actually, you know, flew to Nevada, I met Kobe Frey, and uh, we did the pick there in person. Um, uh, one of one agreed of the, Jeep. The most interesting, most respectable distilleries in the United States. Yeah,
0: they do everything. Like, they are a farm first, like a family, traditional farm.
1: They grow all their own crops, all their own grains. I mean, you, you guys may not understand this, but, like, your favorite distillery, they don't know shit about... Farming. Farming. No. This individual not only grows all of his own grain but there's a process that you have to put one of the grains through before it can be used in the fermentation process yeah and he built his own equipment to put that grain through that process and almost nobody does it in the United States yeah uh which which is the malting process for barley so uh Frey Ranch is great um but to go back to your original question about, you know, how do I have time to get it all done? The the short answer is I don't. Um, but But you
0: balance it so well. I
1: mean, I, well, you've I got mean, unallocated out there
0: with someone say whiskey. You've got the prideful goat, and I want to give you a little congrats. I mean, as your friend, congrats. Thank you. You're a prideful goat. Batch, what are uh, you? Uh, Which I'm one, gonna, the bourbon I'm, or the rye? Uh, to, the rye is my favorite, but I'm a rye guy. All right, and But both of them are phenomenal, and I'm so glad this didn't happen, but your, your stuff just ranked in the top 50, two bottles in the top 50 with Fred Minnick. That's pretty damn huge for a non-distiller producer out of Texas because most... Honestly, in my personal humble opinion, most Texas whiskey sucks. I'm an Iron Root fan, but I don't like a lot of stuff out of Texas, but you guys have sourced a lot of stuff and bottled, and what you guys are doing is amazing. I actually, because I showed up at the right place at the right time, uh, and I told you guys I didn't chase Allocated my first two years. My bar mainly consists of chasing craft distillers because I found more interest and trying new and different things than chasing the Blanton's and, you know, the Buffalo Trace, highly allocated stuff. Like, yes, I have some of that stuff, but I don't chase it. You know, that's been good fortune of me being a loyal patron to several liquor stores and, you know, playing, being a part of the game, being a part of the industry. I did not chase that stuff. So my bar is very eclectic as far as what I have out and have open. It's different than most, but I have a lot of stuff that a lot of people have never tried because I don't just go in. And if, if what I'm looking for is not there, I guarantee you, I can't walk into a liquor store and not buy something like I'm going to buy something. Even if it's the most random ass bottle that I have no idea anything about it, or I'll talk to the staff and be like, what's new in here? What are you recommending? What's something you've tried that nobody knows about? You know, that's where I really built a relationship with spirits, French lick, you know, like I got into that for a while and, you know, I, I love spirits, French lick. It's something I'm very, you know, fond of. And it's, it's so different. hmm. It's actually the first time I got banned or shut off with of Someone Say Whiskey for a little while because Ryan Wester, when I selectively donated samples of every French Lick bottle I had, told me he was jokingly, I mean, we're good friends, but that doesn't necessarily fly in Someone Say Whiskey, told me he was going to drain pour it. And I said, I'll punch you in the throat if you drain pour all this without trying. <laughs> and I literally got banned for 30 days. First and only time I've been banned. For anything on Facebook, but Uh, for the record, we didn't do that. Facebook did. Yeah, I know you didn't, but you know, at the time when you're first learning this, because you know, do a podcast. You think you know about social media, you don't know shit. Start trying to do a business and learn about it. There's a reason people have degrees in social media. Like it's literally insane. Like you think you know, you have no idea, and it's way more complicated than you could possibly explain even in an entire podcast we could just talk about social media for two hours and we would barely like scratch the surface for sure yeah Yeah, i mean it's it's absolutely insane so but so you guys know i mean those are both someone say whiskey picks Man, i'm out of all the castle keys i've had this is super unique i mean i I can't get away from the freight ranch though it's so damn good so good so good all right so we're we're at the end of the episode I am gonna let you do your sign off but you cannot use your sign off in any way shape or form to answer these next two questions all right and if you've watched any of these shows you kind of know what's about to come but I'm gonna guess like I'm gonna get a drop of good bomb on you and every answer that has come from these two questions has been oh. Absolutely amazing business working on the reels we will be dropping those separately um, so all of you can listen to those and reflect on those because these are what I like to call like the gold nuggets of this show all right like these are little nuggets that everybody can apply to their life and or contemplate and they inspire a lot they teach you a lot so first question if God forbid, and I'm not wishing any ill will on anybody here, but, like, God forbid you had one message you could leave your son and daughter today. What would that last message, you could leave them one piece of advice right now, and it's the last piece of advice they would ever get from you. What would that piece of advice be?
1: Wow. That's pretty deep. Uh, Last piece of advice, I would want to say something that guided them towards a partner in life that was going to help them as they work towards their purpose. Like that's the one thing that I've observed is, I've experienced various levels of success and different things that I've worked on. I've got to know other, you know, people that are working towards their goals. Um, Who you're doing that with makes a big difference. For sure. And, you know, I've, I've seen people who have been in a relationship with somebody who was indisputably, very physically attractive, and the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, you know, everybody on the outside is like, "Oh, like look at this. This yeah. is this is a goal, trophy wife, right?" Um, but that's not it, right? Like, I if, if if I could bestow one thing on my kids, it would be that they would end up with a partner that the two of them built each other up, and I I don't know what words I would say to convey that message to them or, or or what I'd say to them to help them to be able to make that decision. But, um, life is hard. It's filled with disappointments and failures and, and, and evidence that you're on the wrong track and things that are going to convince you to give up and to, uh, cede your authority to someone else and, and let somebody else make those decisions for you. And, 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 and trade your future for stability because somebody's willing to give you an amount of money that you can subsist on so that you don't have to face the trials and the difficulties and all that stuff. And if I could pick one thing for my kids, it would be that they would find somebody that is willing to go through that process with them and to build them up and help them to find the greatest version of themselves. Because that's the only thing that really matters. Is that you're better than you were yesterday. It's the only thing that really matters. Yeah. Is that you wanna you wanna you wanna progress every day to be the best version of who you are.
0: You might have fallen or failed the day before, but you learned and you moved forward and did something else. Today
1: I'm closer to becoming the best version of myself than I was yesterday. And if you have a day that's not that way, that day was a fail and today's a new day. And I I would want my kids to have a partner in life that would help them towards that goal.
0: And support that. I right. yeah. absolutely agree. See, that's what it's about right there. That's absolute excellence. All right. The last and final thing is you get to give us your two cents. And it can be two cents about anything. It can be two cents of something I didn't ask you, something you wanted to say today. Something that this show inspired you to say. Something that you just feel compelled to say. Can't go to your sign-off. I'm still going to let you do that. But okay. it can just be something you just really feel you would like to say or a message you would like to give or something you would just like to share with the listeners. Can I cry? Sure. I, I know you've had me on the verge like twice tonight.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I'll, I'll go back to my point when you are asking me about managing time. And that is, everyone gets to see the magical part of people's lives on social media. Yep. And the reason why is because people don't post the bad things. And when they do, it's socially unacceptable. You only yeah. get to see the highlight reel. And the truth is that humans don't crave success. You think you do. You see somebody that has the thing that you want. They live a life that you wish that you could live and all that stuff. And if I walked into your life right now and I gave it all to you, you would be miserable. Just like all the rich kids that end up addicted to heroin and drugs and they throw their lives away. They don't have to work for anything. They have all the trappings of life that you can imagine. What we really crave is progress and a feeling that we did something today that made a difference. And that is kind of a, a thing that I've realized. I've been in a dark place. I've, I've had my best efforts be destroyed by outside forces, outside of my control. This last year, a company that I spent, I've been building since 2015, the whole thing got imploded by a greedy asshole that if he had just waited a little bit, he could have had everything that he wanted. But instead, he decided that he was going to use the opportunity to embezzle money so that he could play a role today that could have been his for eternity in two to three years. But he wouldn't wait. And it, it, it destroyed, in some ways, my reputation. It hurt people who trusted in me and all of this stuff. And it took me to a very, very dark place. So dark, I can't, I, I can't even tell you about it. The darkest place. I understand. Okay? But the thing that brought me out of it was focusing on the next right thing. The next thing to do that is good, that is progress. And so I might wake up one day and have 50 things to do. And there is no day that I can do 50 things. But there are 10 things that if I don't do them, bad things start happening right now and if i can do those 10 things and it moves the needle the other 40 things don't matter as much and so for me what i would want people to know out there is that your only objective every day is to end the day better than you started it Be a better version of yourself at the end of the day than you were when you woke up. And that is progress. And focus on those things. Because if you don't, and you lose hope, then the worst is possible. And I don't want that for anyone. I believe that every single individual that has ever been born was put here with a purpose and that you could have accomplished that purpose despite your circumstances and the difficulties that stood in the way and all of those things that cause people to get derailed and, and to give up hope and to not pursue things. You know, I've, I've, I've met people that have gone through difficult times and they struggle and they lose hope. Don't. Those you're like flowing water. Life can put a dam in front of you. You're just going to make a fucking lake. And then you'll overflow the dam or you'll find another path to move forward. And that's life. And don't lose hope and keep pushing forward and find the joy and the motivation that you need and the small successes because you don't move mountains in one day but if you can learn to take that one bucket of dirt when you're trying to move that mountain and see it moved and go i made progress then you can stay the course and you can press through and you can become the best version of yourself and that is the purpose of life. And everything else is in alignment with that. You want a partner that helps you do that. You want, you want to build your kids so that they can pursue that. Everything about life is about that. But be the best version of yourself and, and, and don't lose hope. And when you struggle, focus on the small bits of progress, no matter how small, that pushed you closer towards that and you can pull yourself out of those dark times.
0: Absolutely, brother. That was, that was fucking epic. That might be the best one that's ever been dropped on here. And and there's a sign-off. Man, yeah. I can't so even... I'm just that gonna say, man, I, I love right you, there. brother. Wow. That that was fucking passionate. That was deep. That might be the man. Man, I almost don't even have words right now. But hey, man. We'll be back next week, but, hey, man, sign us off. And the only way you do it.
1: Well, part of the reason why I do everything that I do is because my younger brother committed suicide in 2014. Um, He was a military veteran. He... um, was honorably discharged, but because of his injuries, he was you know, given opioids and he you know, was addicted and his life was off track. And in the aftermath of his death, I was trying to find a way to help people feel a connection to the world around them that my brother had lost that made it easy for him to say goodbye to this world. And so that's part of the reason why I started my podcast and I created the whiskey communities that I've created um, is because you know whiskey brings people together. And I want to use the connected power of whiskey to help you feel like um, you're part of something and that there are people who care about you. Um, and and, and they, they, they want to see you have a positive future. Um, but during that process, I, I learned that there are a lot of negative people online. And I don't know what happened to them. I don't know why they're hateful to strangers. Um, but seeing those people be hateful made me realize that if a stranger can hate you online, even though they don't know you, that there's nothing that keeps me from loving you online, even though I don't know you. And that is why I end all my podcasts the same way. And that's this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. We'll see you next time.
0: See y'all next time.
1: On what's Your podcast?
0: common sense the podcast on
1: common sense the podcast
0: thank you brother I love you man
1: thank you